0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I want to open up today to a little bit of an obscure passage. We've been in a series called The Rise. And I really do believe this isn't just a a, a cute title for a, a, a message that we're going to talk about for a few weeks. I really believe this is kind of a... Like a word from God of what he's going to do, which I believe with people that know him, people that are coming to know him, and his church that he is building on the earth. I believe this is a window of time that it looks like everything is kind of sinking, but I do believe there's some other things that are beginning to rise. God spoke to Joshua right before he entered into the promised land. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Some of the old things that we used to do have died. But there's actually something that's getting ready to be brand new. I need you to rise up, Joshua. I need you to be strong and of good courage. And he started telling him that there's things that he had to get ready for in his heart. Begin to meditate on the word day and night. Because there were some places that he was getting ready to go into that he had to get ready for on the inside before he saw it on the outside. And I really feel like that's a window that we're in right now. And I have a a, a message for you. I can can count on one hand messages that God has given me, like he's given me this one, uh, over the last 15 or 16 years of communicating the Bible. Uh, But it's kind of an obscure passage. It's out of uh, 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to read about 15 verses if you're brand new to church. I'm going to read those verses a little bit all over today. We'll do some popcorn reading. Uh, Take you back to elementary school. And after we do that, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna tell a couple stories. And after I tell some stories, I'm gonna connect us back into what we read today. And I do believe that God, listen, God can speak in many ways. You get married, He'll speak through your spouse. You can have a dream, you can have a vision, you go to a conference, have someone give you a prophetic word. But I want you to know that God's predominant, most consistent way of communicating is through this book. And God can speak to you out of the Old Testament. God can speak to you out of the New Testament. Jesus fulfills both covenants. And so right now, as we open up an Old Testament passage and look at an Old Testament prophet by the name of Elisha, not to be mistaken with Elijah, and Elisha we find here unusual passage in chapter 4 of the book of 2 Kings. I'm going to begin reading today in uh, verse 8. And it says this, now it happened, and now it happened, uh, One day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable, noble woman. She was a great woman. Now, I want you to know that when the Bible calls you great, you're doing something right. She was a great woman, and she actually persuaded this famous, well-known prophet in Israel to come to her house and to eat some food. And how many know that, come on, believers of God, we don't, come on, food is our love language, So he comes over, it says this, that every time that he passed by, which was often, that he would turn in there and eat some food. And she said to her husband one day, this great woman, look now, uh... I know that this guy is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall, basically in our house, and let us put a bed for him there, a table, a chair, a lampstand, so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Basically, uh, we read this passage. So she does a favor for a, a, a person that knows God intimately. And it goes on for the next several verses and says that she finds favor because this is what honor does. Honor will always give you access to things that you can never have access to ordinarily. I've learned that whatever you honor will honor you back. And whatever is honoring you that you stop honoring will eventually dry up on you. And so it says this, that she honors him, that he actually goes, hey, I want to I wanna give you, what do you want? You want to meet a general? You want to get a picture with the president? What do you want? And she goes, I'm fine. I'm content. And it says that his assistant, Elisha's assistant, goes, she doesn't have any kids. Her husband's old. And so he looks at her and he says, this time next year, you're going to get pregnant. You're you're going to have a baby. And so it was, according to his word, it says that now it happened one day in verse, uh, I think this is verse uh, 17, that the woman actually conceived. She bore a son. And when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha told her that the child grew. Now it happened one day. The child grew. Older, been around for several years, that it went out to his father, for the, to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. Child was in pain. He said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when they had taken him, they brought this boy, and I'm going somewhere this morning, into his mother, and he sat on her knees until noon. And this is where it gets crazy. This boy, this promise, dies in his mother's lap. Mother's very smart, though, so she actually gets the boy. She brings him to the upper room, lays him on the bed that, that this man of God sleeps in in her house. She shuts the door behind him. She goes out. Then she called to her husband and said, hey, please send one of our servants on the donkeys. Go grab that guy, that man of God, and come back. So he said, why are we going to him today? It's neither the new moon or the Sabbath. And, he, and she said, it is well. Say with me. It is well. This is amazing peace in a, in a crazy moment. It is well. Goes on. Then then she saddled the donkey, said to her servant, Drive and go forward. So they go out, they go to uh, grab this prophet, and she departed and she went to the man of God of Mount Carmel. So it was that when this this prophetic man, this prophet, sees her from a distance, from afar, that he actually says to his servant, Gehazi, he says, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run to her, meet her, and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, watch, it is well. Amazing. Your son just passed away. Obviously, it's not well. Let's keep reading. It's interesting. Now, she came to the man of God at the hill. She caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near, pushed her away but but elisha said let her alone her soul is deeply in distress her soul is deeply distressed it kind of reminds me of people right now watching the news it kind of reminds me of our government right now the political landscape right there is a deep level of distress and the lord has hidden it from me i don't know what what's going on he didn't tell me so she said did i not ask you my lord did i not say do not deceive me don't get my hopes up don't don't lie to me about about this good news of me getting pregnant and when Elijah came into the house, so it goes on, it says that he's, he was going to send his servant into the house to put a stick on, on the boy and bring him back. But she's like, I am not leaving this place without you physically coming with me. She persuades the prophet to go to the house. I know this is old school. This is old covenant. But come on, this is a good story. It's interesting. It's got my attention. And when Elijah came into the house, this where it gets really intriguing. He came into the house. There was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them. Prayed to the Lord, and he prayed, and he prayed to the Lord. Very, very important. He prayed. And when he prayed to the Lord, he went up. This is where it gets really, really, again, interesting. He laid on top of the child. Put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child. And this is where it gets even weirder. And the child's body became warm and he gets off the child and it says that he begins to walk back and forth in the house again and he goes back and stretch himself out on him a second time then the child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes and he called his servant said go get his mama she's gonna be excited about this Pick your son up, and this boy comes back to life. It's a, again, I know this is an Old Testament story. This is not Fairy Pothead or Harry Potter. This is not a uh, J.R. Token. This is not a not. This is, listen, this is a factual, historical story. And people say, well, why, why don't more people talk about it? There's a lot of people in the Bible that came back to life after they were dead. Uh, the, the most notable, obviously, is the one that we worship. His name's Jesus. And he's different than Lazarus, and he's different than the widow's son, and he's different than this little, this little boy here because he is the only one that died, came back, and never died again. So the story is unusual. This Sunday is going to be unusual, but I'm telling you it's going to be ridiculously, come on, unusually good. Because I do believe there's something that God is saying. Listen, to you, to me, and to I believe those that don't know God, he has a word for you. And those of you that do know him, I think there's like a, almost like a, uh, Like a a resurgence of of attention that God is calling the church back to. People that know him back to in this kind of unusual window of time. So an unusual passage for an unusual season that we're in. I want to talk to you today on the rise, in the series, The Rise. I want to talk to you on the subject matter, thawing out. Thawing out. Thawing out. I want to pray real quick. I'll get into this this thought. We're going to have a good time the next 30 minutes together, 20 minutes together. Father, I pray that everyone that's tuning in right now, as they even share, I pray that God, people, family, friends, cousins, nephews, nieces, coworkers, neighbors, I ask you that those that are watching right now would begin to sense the love, the presence, and the tangible, uh, the tangible goodness of who you are, Jesus. I pray, Lord, this is not a TED talk of motivational encouragement. This is not just some ideological, uh, philosophical conversation. I thank you that this book is alive. I thank you that the person of this book is still speaking, and I thank you that, Lord, right now you confirm that this is your word, your your teaching, and this is your time by even coming with your presence into our living rooms, on on through our cell phones, and that we would sense you wherever we're watching this. I pray you'd love people today through this message, through these words. Bring hope, bring courage, and I pray that you bring your presence even now. Lord, we love you, we invite you, and I pray you'd bless the Lakers when the season returns. In Jesus' name. And somebody said amen. Amen. This is, well, this is a, obviously we've kind of gotten past the honeymoon stage of uh, wearing mask and uh, gloves in public places. I've been trying to think about the upside of this unusual window that we are living in. I thought one of them was that I can go to Trader Joe's with a mask on and gloves on and pray all that I want, talk to myself all that I want, and no one has any idea what is going on underneath the mask. And so uh been amazing, kind of an interesting window of time, wearing masks and gloves everywhere, trying to find the upside in all of this. Um... I thought, man, you know, one of the things, I was talking to my friend Tom, and he said, Mark, the good thing about masks is it's like a self-breath check every every moment of the day. You know all the time if your breath needs, come on, some brushing, uh, your teeth need some brushing, and your mouth needs some mouthwash. But uh, wearing masks in public, still kind of getting used to this whole thing, praying doesn't last forever. And I'm interested, though, when I'm going to these uh, grocery stores lately, uh, I know many people have been stocking up on, uh, you know, toilet paper and different different you know, hand sanitizers for us, it's really been, uh, we've been going in hard to the frozen food section at Trader Joe's. I love the frozen food section. There is something awesome about not worry about this, this orange is going to go bad, and it's not like an avocado that lasts for 12 minutes. Um, it's going to be actually long-lasting, and so we buy a lot of different foods. Uh, my, my daughter loves the pizza, like the cauliflower pizzas at Trader Joe's, hashtag amazing, uh, she's she's growing up on a lot healthier food than I was raised on. I was raised on come on those Dino Nuggets. I was raised on these things called hot pockets. It's amazing just the difference of time that we're living in. We have actually healthy food in our freezer. I grew up on the most unhealthy food in the freezer. And it's interesting because you put like these frozen items into your freezer. And to get them ready, you got to pull them out, obviously. You either put them in the stove, the stovetop, you stir fry, or you put them in the microwave. And I just don't know if there's anything, I don't know, there's, I'm sure there is. But I'm being hyperbolic today, if there's anything more disturbing than biting into something that was designed to be warm, but it still has the tangible residue of freezing in it. I don't know if you ever bought a little Costco quiche, and you bit into that quiche out of the oven, and it was still cold on the middle of it. I I don't know if there's anything going to Starbucks, ordering a breakfast sandwich, and you get some cold egg. It's just disturbing. It's like this thing is supposed to be warm, and it's still freezing on the inside. You ever bit into a hot pocket? Hot pockets are either boiling lava, are they are frozen tundra? There is no middle ground. I've seen that thing in the oven start to smoke. I've seen man, I, hot pockets are a sign and a wonder. It is almost impossible to get them the perfect temperature. They go from frozen to boiling hot. And it's just wild over and over again. Uh, I was thinking about the idea of how things that were designed to be enjoyed warm, but being disturbing when they're cold. And I really feel, again, if I could just uh, again, out of the normal context of what I would normally do, I just—I was praying this week for you guys, praying this week for, for people all over the world, and I almost, I almost heard this phrase that God kept putting in my heart, that it's like we're going from season to season, and it's almost like coming out of the winter that things are beginning to thaw out. I don't know if you've ever seen, I know that you live in California, you haven't, But if you go to like places like Idaho that gets snow, you know, 364 days out of the year, you'll know what I'm talking about. That actually when things start to thaw out, I remember a couple winters ago living in Boise that there was actually uh, like trees were all white. It looked like a scene from Narnia and things began to thaw out as as the sun came out and there was, you know, ponds and water flowing through the streets. I was in Mammoth uh, last winter. They got like 100 inches of snow in like three days, and it started to rain really hard. And there was rivers like flowing down the streets. Things began to thaw out. And I started thinking about how God, his desire is, is that uh, in this season, it's like things are not warm yet. Things are not fully better yet. Things are not where they need to be, where we want them to be, or where we're hoping them to be. But I have this sense in my heart that things are actually right now, as we speak, thawing out. And I looked at this story and I couldn't shake it. I didn't want to teach on it. I didn't want to preach on it. But I'm telling you that I'm a little bit of a, uh, I'm a God pleaser. And I'm like, God, if you want me to talk on it, I'll talk on it. I wasn't wanting to, but if you want me to do it, I'll do it. And I had this crazy idea as I'm reading this. God began to speak to me about how this distressing moment happened. Listen, not because of something that the boy did. It didn't happen because of something that his mother did. It didn't happen because of what the Father did. It's actually outside of everyone's control, which sounds a little bit like the scenario that we're in right here, right now. And we find that something that was promised to them, something that was given to them by God, all of a sudden was gone. And it was, a, it was distressing, to say the least. It was devastating. It was saddening. It was maddening. It caused, I'm sure, discouragement, uh, grief, uh, depression, all of the above. Much of the emotions that right now people all over the globe are experiencing, and again, all of us have this in common that none of us caused this thing. But we're actually right now, we're almost like victims of what happened to us, not that we did to to actually incite what's happening right here, right now. And it says that when this happens, that she actually... She actually goes to this guy that gave her the promise, which I want to, if I could, Elisha is really a type and a shadow of not only God, but really, as, as we see here, he goes in and he prays. I want to I park on this idea for the next two weeks of what prayer does in the thawing process. I believe that prayer is what thaws the frozen things in our life. I believe. Listen. It's not our words. To it's not what we say and how good we say it. I believe it's the God that's good that's listening, that actually hears. And and one one uh, Ian Bounds said years ago. He said that it is the mouth of God that moves the hands. Uh, 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 <laughs> I said the backwards. It is the it is the hands of. God, that are moved by the mouth of men. That's what I was trying to say. Let me say that a little bit better. Ian e. Bounds said years ago that it is actually the mouth of men that move the hands of God. And I want you to know, if you're watching this right here, right now, that prayer begins to thaw things out. And I see this. We, we read the story here. It's very intriguing, unusual passage that when she summons the guy that gave her the promise back in, And I feel like that's what we do as believers when we go through storms, and we go through challenges, and we go through uh, unsettling moments of of time. We always go back, the Bible says, to wage the good warfare on words that were given by God in previous seasons. That we actually fight the good fight on what God has said. Now here's what I know about promises. Promises are only as good as the person that gives the promise. Promises are only as reliable as the person is that made the promise is reliable. And I want you to know that when she got the promise from God to get a son that was in her heart's desire, she goes to the source of the promise, and she says, man, this is awful. Come to my house. She brings him in. And I want to focus here on a few verses that we read, uh, really, really pertaining to, uh, like, verse 32 and on. It says that they walked in. He shuts the door of the house. There's something dead, something cold, right there in the house. And it says that what Elisha would do next, it really grabbed my attention. And I really feel like this, if if God could communicate to believers, even to some of you that don't believe in him, I believe this is what God wanted me to articulate to you, is that he sees something cold, something frozen, something dead. And he walks into the house, and the first thing that Elisha does is he begins to pray to God. I believe there is something about connecting with God Almighty through prayer. Some people say, Mark, we don't need to pray anymore. We're under a new covenant. We're under a covenant of grace. I want you to know that there is no other book in the Bible that contains prayer more, the word prayer, and the different derivatives of prayer than the book of Acts. Acts has the word prayer in it uh, more than any other book out of all 66 uh, and the second is the book of Luke, written by the same guy that wrote the book of Acts. And so Acts and Luke talk more about prayer. The early church prayed more than anybody else in the history of the world. And I want you to know as we read this passage, it says that as, they're, as, as, as they come in the room, he begins to pray. Say it with me, pray. I love this because prayer is what changes things. We know that throughout history, that Acts chapter 2, that the church itself was thought out. It was birthed in a prayer meeting. The missions movement of of the world, when they sent Paul and Barnabas to the Mediterranean cities, the the, uh, ocean cities throughout the Mediterranean, they actually made up their minds to send them when the early church was praying and when it was fasting. We know that Cornelius, I read it earlier in Acts chapter 10, opens a door to everyone that's not Jewish to know the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, because he was praying And while he was praying, an angel came to him. And watch what the angel says. It says that I've seen your alms. God's seen your alms, your generous lifestyle, and God has heard your prayers. It is intriguing to me that prayer from the very beginning of time, it birthed a church. It actually reformed the church. Martin Luther in 1500, in the 15th century, actually 1512, when he was in his room in a monastery, as he began to pray, as he began to study, he actually, we we know that he birthed the reformation of the church. And from his movement, we see that two centuries later, John Wesley, his brother, uh, George Whitfield. these guys would go on to go after his teachings. And out of prayer, out of study, would birth a new movement that would sweep the globe called the Methodist Church. And then from that movement, we see in 1900 and 1905, here in sunny, beautiful California, in Los Angeles, there was Methodists and people that were belonging to the holiness movement that were praying earnestly when the Holy Spirit was poured out here in Southern California. Throughout history... Moses was a man of prayer. Joshua defeated armies, the most sovereign militaries in the world, with untrained militia because he knew how to pray like Moses prayed. We see people like Esther that changed the fate of the greatest genocide that would have been because of a praying movement. And we see that even Daniel. Daniel was arrested. Why? Because he prayed three times a day. The only fault they could find in this man is that he was a man that consistently and continually prayed. And Jesus himself, before he started his public ministry, before he thawed the world out, that 20 centuries after his, his, his departure is still ranting and raving about what he taught during three and a half years of ministry. He actually thawed the world out after 40 days of praying and fasting in a wilderness. We know that great things are always coming out of moments of great prayer. And I love this story because Elisha knew that if this thing had any chance of coming back to life if there was any chance, possibility that this cold corpse could actually regain heat and actually begin to thaw back to life, that there was going to be something called prayer that had to happen first. And this is where the story gets interesting. And again, this is a lot of what was written in the Old Testament. It says it was written for our admonishment. It was written for inspiration, for motivation. It was written in types and shadows. And this is what I want to I share that God showed me is that not only did he pray, but after he prayed, this is what I believe prayer does, prayer will make you hot. Prayer, when you spend time with God and you begin to call God's attention to what's going on in your life, there's three types of prayer out of Luke chapter 11. There's actually, number one, there's petitions. Number, that's when you're asking God to be involved in what's going on. You ask him for needs and things that are happening. The second part of prayer in Luke 11, it says not only to ask, it says to seek. Is There's devotion when we actually spend time with God, not for what God gives us, but because God is worth getting. And that when you want what's in God's heart more than you want what's in God's hand, that's devotional time. So when you say, God, I have no agenda, I don't need a great thought, a great idea, I don't need a great message, I'm a preacher, is I just want you. That is not petition, that's devotional prayer. And the third type of prayer that we see in Luke chapter 11 is actually uh, a prayer called intercession. And it's actually when you begin to knock on things, not just for you, but you actually fill gaps that are represented with other people around you. It's when you look past your own needs and you start actually praying for the needs of those that are around you. We live in a world that doesn't know how to pray, and they don't see the value of prayer. And most I'm time, being honest, people don't do it because they don't see the significance. They don't see the benefits of it. But I want you to know that not only does prayer affect the next life, I do believe it affects the environment of this life. And there's something that happens when we pray that warms us on the inside. James 5 says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, but he prayed earnestly. The word earnestly meant red hot. It meant that that when he began to talk to God and he began to talk about what was happening in the world and happening in a city and happening in politics and happening in government and happening in the economy and happening in his family and happening in his marriage, that as he called God's attention to what was going on, that it said it did not rain. It actually, his red hot prayers changed the atmosphere. And I believe that's what prayer does. And when you spend time, it warms you up. How do we know that Elisha was warm? Because he laid on a cold body. And I believe that Elisha is a type and a shadow of what believers of Yahweh, believers of Jesus, are supposed to be to a society that's in distress, to a society that is stone cold, to a world that has no life in it. What what are Christians, people that prescribe to the way, the teachings of Jesus, what are we supposed to be like? Good question. Thank you for asking. You know, we're supposed to be like, we're supposed to be so full of the heat of the Holy Spirit that it actually says Elisha's body went on the body of the corpse. Let's say it this way, the body of the living actually covered the body of the dead. I want you to think about this. This is the this is the role of the church on the world today. We are not a luxury cruise line ship that's quarantined off of some Cape Town in the Bahamas. We are actually a rescue life raft or a rescue, c- rescue coast guard ship that is actually assigned to rescue people that are drowning all over the world. Listen, we are, it says that he stretched out his body over, over, the, over the dead. And as he stretched out over the lifeless thing that was around him, it said that he put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. And there was a skin-to-skin interaction, which, which watch we see here, is that the heat that was inside of Elisha somehow, this is a miracle, got transferred into the cold body of a boy. That's what the presence of God will do, though, is the presence of God will set a temperature in you that when people get close enough to you, they will take on the, the temperature Of what's going on in your soul and in your spirit. So many people, they want to mentor people. They want to help people. They want to coach people. They want to be a life coach. They want to teach a master's class. And they think that the content is actually where it's at. I want you to know that more important than content is actually the temperature of your attitude. The temperature of your spirit. Many times what's more contagious than a teaching is the person that is teaching it. And Elisha spreads himself out. He actually... He, he, he interacts with this, with this cold surface. And I, I saw this that I've never seen before, and I was reading this, and I really feel like this is what we're supposed to do today if we're going to continue to navigate forward with a faith that keeps us thawed out. The three things that we see here is it says his mouth went to his mouth, his eyes went to his eyes, and his hands went to his hands. Now, I'm not, I'm not prescribing that we find that would just get weird really fast. But what I am saying, this is a type and a shadow of what I believe Christians, what followers of Jesus are supposed to do in moments like these. Number one is we find this, that, that Elisha starts with his mouth. I find this very interesting because he could have started with his hands. He could have started with his eyes. He could have messed with his ears. It's so interesting that his chronological order of importance was that if I can get this guy's mouth working, if I can get this guy's mouth to actually speak, to actually say, to actually make a sound, that actually what his mouth would ignite would affect his eyes. And when his eyes begin to open up, what he sees and how he perceives things would be affected by. And if his eyes are affected, then finally his hands. What do hands do? Hands feel, hands touch. Hands in the Bible represent action. We see that here, that that feeling, and really, if we're being honest, the world trains us opposite. What do you mean? That they actually treat, they teach us that what we feel determines how we perceive. And what we perceive determines what we say. But you're made in the image of God, friend. And God's word is actually what affected what God sees. And what God said affected what he saw. And what he saw affected how he felt, how he acted. The word hands in the Bible always is symbolic of action. And I believe that our actions are not affected by our feelings. Our actions are affected by the declarations, the things that we say, the things that we create, we speak as we agree and we we co align our words with what God Himself is telling us to speak. Elijah goes mouth to mouth. This is amazing. It's it's interesting, it's it's fascinating. That goes mouth not Psalms one forty nine says, May the God David says, May the high praises of God be in my mouth and a two-edged sword in my hands. He goes on, James three actually says that the that the the power of the universe is wrapped around your mouth. I, if I could pastor some people right now that are watching, I think that this hour of time is so revealing of how mature we are or we aren't, predicated upon what we're declaring, what we're proclaiming, what we're, what we're saying. In moments of uncertainty, it's so important. The Bible says that we shouldn't bless God and curse man. It says out of, out of our mouth should not proceed fresh water and salt water. We are made in the similitude of God. It says that we're not supposed to, to have fresh water in one moment and salt water the next moment, that we're getting salty about this person and salty about that person. It says this, that that mouth, that your tongue is like a a bit in a horse's mouth, that that little bit can determine the direction of a powerful horse. Beyond that, it goes on. James, the brother of Jesus goes, not only does that, your tongue, your mouth, it's not just like a bit in a horse's mouth, it's kind of like... um. It's like a rudder on a huge ship. Fierce winds push the ship, but the direction is set. The direction is set by the little rudder called your mouth. He says if you don't, if you don't mess up in your words, you're a perfect man. He says even the greatest forests in the world were actually destroyed by the littlest, tini- the tiniest flame of fire. And I believe that most people, today don't realize that they just air whatever's on the top of their head. They say things like, well, this is on the top of my head right now. Off the top of my head, this is what I want to say about this, this president. This is what I want to say about this leader. This is what I want to say about this economic situation. Don't talk from the top of your head. Usually your greatest thoughts aren't on the top of your head. Usually the thoughts that you've actually thought through a little bit, prayed about a little bit. Many people, they don't realize that your words have the power because they have power because God made you in His image. We're not a church that prescribes to every, you know, the the extremes of, you know, we've seen, and many people, if I'm being honest, they've seen the, the extremes of naming it and claiming it and blabbing it and grabbing it. And they've seen the extremes of this hyper spooky, I'm claiming a Bentley, I'm claiming a Bentley, so I'm gonna get a Bentley. I do, listen. There has been extremes, but here's the problem. Whenever there's an extreme, it's, it's usually because there is a truth that's buried underneath the abuse. And I want you to know that there is power in your words. There's power in your language. And Elisha knew, man, if I can get this guy's mouth revived, it'll actually revive the way he sees things. And if I can get him seeing things accurately he'll actually begin to have his hands will begin to grab, begin to act, and begin to feel again. Our feelings cannot be dictated by what we see, and our feelings cannot be dictated by by just what's going on in the moment. Our feelings have to be framed by this book. Smith Wigglesworth, the story goes, he used to knock newspapers out of people's hands as they tried to walk into his front door, and he said the only news that's welcomed in this house is this news. Kind of extreme, but I like the idea of this, is that so many times we let what we read affect what we feel. We let what we read in the, what we read on the news, what we watch on television. Listen to me, church. This is a window of time that we have to let God touch our mouth. And if we'll actually put his words into our mouth. The Bible says this. It goes on. It, it says in a, a perfect man... It's like uh, James chapter James chapter 3, I read that to you, fresh water, salt water, and it goes on, it says when you have that type of mouth, your eyes, it says in Matthew chapter 6, that if your eyes are good, your whole being will be full of light. Right now, we have so many people that are giving their eyes, giving their attention to discouraging things, fearful things, uh, doubting things, things that would rob you of any courage, rob you of any faith. I'm telling you, I'm going to believe God's report. And last time I checked, he's still on the throne. Last time I checked, he's not caught off guard with what's happening on the earth. Last time I checked, he was able to navigate other generations in times past out of plagues. Last time I checked, things got back to normal after pestilence. Last time I checked, after the world was, was floating with water and there was a zoo on a boat that, that survived a flood that changed the earth, there was still life after the flood. And I want you to know the same God that ruled after the, the former famines, the former pestilence, is the same God that's going to navigate you and me and all of us into this next season that's going to be good, that he's going to thaw us out in Jesus' name. So we see here that there is eyes to eyes and finally hands to hands. It says in First Timothy 2.8, notice this, Paul writes, I desire that men pray everywhere, that they pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Without wrath and without doubting. This would be a challenging thing to do in the window that we're in. When you try to pray for what's going on in the world and trying to avoid the two things that he says, the two common mistakes that we make when, our, listen, when we're in an uncertain time, when you're in a challenging season, is that it's hard to pray action prayers without doing two things. Number one, getting wrathful. I'm telling you right now, it's not a window to throw rocks. It's not a season to criticize people. I'm telling you, this is a window of time to lift up holy hands and to begin to pray, God, if you can soften the heart of Pharaoh, you can soften any heart. If you can deliver people out of tyranny, you can deliver any nation. This is a time to lift up holy hands without wrath, and it says number two, without doubting. I think one of the things our generation, I could speak to the younger generation today, is that we are so cynical, jaded, critical, we joke, we don't take anything serious, that literally we let doubt dictate our vocabulary. That's not gonna get better, that's not gonna happen, things are never gonna get normal. Things are always, we we flippantly say things that carry zero faith. I want to challenge it. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, I'm not talking to you for a minute. But if you know God, I want to challenge you. Let our words create an environment that fosters life. The Bible says that your words have the power to bring life or to bring death. I want to be a church. I want to be a people. I want to be a follower of God that allows my words to bring warmth and life to what I speak to. Notice what happens here. I'm almost finished as Stacy comes up on the keys. The first thing I want to make note of here that's interesting is that our temperature will always determine the temperature of what's dead around us. My temperature will always dictate how warm that the cold things around me are. And I want to I challenge you, man of God, woman of God, come on, woman watching, man watching, that when you look around your, your family room, you look around your neighborhood, you look around the, the boardroom, you look around the classroom, I want you to remember this that when you let the Holy Spirit fill you up, you begin to pray, he will actually, he will elevate your temperature. And as you get warmer, that is a contagious warmth. I believe that we can't buy into a lie that God says, well, God will warm me up, but the rest of the world is going to stay cold. Listen, hot people warm the world up. God called us to be salt and to be light. Last time I checked, if you sit in the sunlight, I remember uh, Remember the other day I was, I was... So tired, I, I fell asleep on my couch and the window was open. And if I was, if I was sleeping in the shade, it was about 10 degrees colder than it was when I was sleeping under the sunlight. I want you to know that what prayer does, when you spend time supplying, uh, making supplicational prayers, devotional time with God that you're connecting with him. And you begin to actually intercede and say, God, I pray for that. I pray for that leader in the world right now. He needs wisdom. She needs wisdom. I pray grace, grace over my state. I pray grace, grace over my county. I pray that where sin abounds, that grace abounds even more. I pray that where, where wrath should go, that God, grace would come. I pray that in wrath, you're the God that always remembers mercy. All of your wrath was poured out on your son. And so we declare peace on this, uh, in this part of the world, in my neighborhood, in my family. Listen, our supplications, our prayers, our devotional times, and our ability to intercede standing in the gap, it has the ability to thaw things out. And I just felt this so strong in my heart. And again, I just felt like God wanted me to share this with you, is that we are, in, we are surrounded right now by a very cold body. A cold body of communities. People are cold. People are, are, are in distress right now, and what we're called to do as followers of Jesus is to bring life and warmth everywhere we go. I believe that our presence should liberate people that are in fear. I believe that our presence should liberate people that are, that are walking in hopelessness. I, I think, come on, are you with me today? That there's something about our, our faith in God that should thaw the, the frozen around us. I see this this morning as I get ready to close is this very interesting that, I just thought this was kind of a cool thought, that Elijah he lays on him, and the boy doesn't fully come back to life, but he does warm up. And he warmed up, and I want to remind you, Elijah's first thought was, I'll send my servant and a staff. That'll bring him back. And when his servant comes back and said, the staff didn't work, your thing didn't work, it, it probably brought a different level of desperation when he came in. And he laid over this kid, and I'm sure that when he felt his body temperature coming back, that he goes, man, we're moving the right direction. This thing is going the right way. And it says he got off, because this is what I thought about, I was praying about this, and the Holy Spirit just kind of gave me this idea that when you give virtue and you give warmth to a cold family member, a cold coworker, a cold environment, it'll actually cool you down a little bit. And what he had to do is he actually, he was encouraged. But he jumped up off the dead thing, and he actually started walking around the house again to, to get his circulation going. He had to actually heat himself one more time. He actually had to stir up his faith. I believe that the Christian life isn't always getting what you want the first time you pray for it. Oftentimes, it's the second time. I wonder what would happen, man, if Jesus would have gave up on the 39th day in the wilderness, I wonder what would have happened if the the children of Israel, the sixth go around, would have said, this isn't working, let's stop. I wonder what would have happened if Naaman would have stopped dipping after three dips. I think over and over again, many times we quit because we lose some of our heat. Instead of getting up for a minute, walking around God's house and stirring up our faith again, circulating our faith again. You know what circulates your faith? Worship, friend. You know what circulates your faith? Prayer. You know what circulates your faith? Come on, declaring how good God is. In the book of Acts, in the very end of the book of Acts, it says that Paul got in a shipwreck. And when the when the ship broke up, it says they only made it to land if they knew how to swim. And the people that didn't know how to swim, they only made it to land because they grabbed a hold of parts of the ship that were floating. You know what you do in a storm? You know what they did? You Number one, you lighten your ship, and the second thing you do in storms is you grab a hold of what's left of the ship when you're going to the shore. What do you mean, ship? They had to grab a hold of worship. They had to grab a hold of fellowship. They had to get a a hold of of communion ship. There's there's something about getting a hold of what was broken and saying, God, I don't have everything, but what I do have, I'm going to grab a hold of this thing. He walked around the room. He got his faith fiery again. God, he's not alive all the way, but he's warm. He's thawed out. And I believe this is a, a, a word for you today, or for your family, for your business. It's a word for Orange County. It's a, it's a word for California. Listen, we're not fully there yet, but listen to me. We are thawing out. And you mark my words in Jesus' name. About this time, about this time, a few months from now, you're going to see it. 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. There is going to be incremental incremental, monumental heat that's going to begin to thaw out our economy. It's going to thaw out our government. It's going to thaw out those that are spiritually frozen. And I believe this is going to be uh, what's going to happen in 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 the coming days is we're going to see one of the greatest resurgence of spiritual awakening. Christian people call it revival. Revival is the idea that those that never thought about God begin to think about God all the time. Revival is the idea that people thought that, man, Giving my life to be a part of a community of faith, a church, that's a waste of time. In seasons of revival, people that never would have begin to come in with with multitude numbers. And they say, i got to be a part of what God is building and doing in the world. See, friends, I believe that we live in a cold society. Things are cold right now, but they are thawing out. And I want to pray for you today that God would touch your mouth. We're not going to be a church that curses what God wants us to bless. We're not going to be a church that see things with like, the, like people do that have no hope in the world. We're not those type of people. We have hope. You mark my words. We never got our courage from the economy. I've never got my courage for how much money I have in the stock market. I've never, the source of my strength has never been going to grocery stores without mask. My source of comfort and strength has always been manufactured in the presence of God. So even though the world has changed, the source of my hope and the source of my strength has not changed. The way I see the world has not changed. And I believe that when the word begins to fill your mouth and your eyes begin to see people and see things the way God sees them, what will always happen is you will always, with hands, hands are always symbolic of action. You'll actually begin to feel things and bless things that you may have been cursing prior to that. We're going to be, a, listen, we're going to be a church that knows how to bless our government leaders, even when we disagree with them. We're going to be a church that honors people that are in authority, whether we prescribe to their political views or we don't. The Bible doesn't say that you have to honor all your government leaders because they're godly. It says that all leaders are God-placed. And I believe that, that in the Bible, kings were always symbolic of the people. And if you had an unrighteous king, it's because you had an unrighteous people group. And so if you want kings to be revived, you got to pray that your nation gets revived. God, would you revive California? Would you revive our governors? Would you revive our senators? Would you revive our congressmen? God, would you revive America once again? Would you cover our leaders with your love? Would you cover our president in the cabinet? Would you cover our judges? God, would you please, in this window of time, begin to thaw out what was frozen? We pray... For the mouth of your people to begin to bless what you want us to bless and not curse what you asked us to bless. Help us to see things and people the way you see them. Help us to realize that life is not about the next six months. It's about eternity. And that we would not get so distracted with what's what's happening here and now that we lose sight of what you want to do in the world forever. I pray, Lord, right now for everyone that's watching that you would touch our mouth, that you would touch our eyes, and that you would, God, even now, give feeling back to our hands. If you're watching this right now, I just want to pray for you. Would you. Do me a favor. If you, if you want God to just touch your mouth right now, would you be a favor? Would you just maybe write the word mouth right now? Uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or on our website, just write mouth in that column. I don't know about you, but I'm just as guilty as everybody. I get in a negative mood. I start complaining. I say something that's not faith-filled. I don't want to talk myself out of what God wants to give me authority to bless. And if you're watching this right now, I want to pray that God, come on, if Elisha's body, we are the body of Christ, we warm up the dead world. We're the ones that set the temperature for the earth. If the church loses its saltiness, we're good for nothing. God wants us, are you hearing me, to preserve, to give life, to give hope. If we don't have hope, where in the world do people find it? So God, would you touch our mouths? Would our mouth, would my mouth possess hope that my neighbors, my coworkers in this world desperately needs? Fill my mouth with your hope. Would you put your hand even right now in your eyes? If you're watching this right now, and you want God to to give you eyes to see the season we're in? To be like the sons of Issachar, to be able to know and discern the times that we're living in. God, I want to see things with accuracy. Just put eyes right now. right eyes right now. You can do the little eye emoji if you want to. I want to pray for everyone that's watching that, God, you give us eyes of faith. I pray that our eyes would not be full of darkness. They'd be full of light. I ask you that in uncertain times, you would fill us with a mouth that would speak life, not death, and eyes that would see what you want us to see. Help us, Lord, to shape what we see by the words of God. And finally, we ask, Lord, that as we say what you want us to say and see what you want us to see, That we begin to take action, and we begin to fill your heart. We begin to fill your desires for this season that we're in. And I pray that wisdom would come over all those that are watching today. I want to pray right now. If you're watching this and you need healing in your body, physical healing, I want you to know that God has the power to evict sickness. God heals. The Bible says that he actually was, was tortured. He got beaten so that we could actually be made whole. And if you're watching this right now, I got good news for you today. Whether it's cancer, whether it's, I don't know if it's diabetes, it's, it's uh, I don't know, like multiple myeloma. I feel like someone watching this, you got a diagnosis of maybe some sort of ulcers, uh, tumors. Uh, there might be some sort of unusual growths. Maybe someone watching has issues with bones in their feet. Just pain. Hey, listen, if it matters to you, I believe it matters to God. And I just want to pray for anyone that's watching right now. If you need healing in your body, just say, Me. Just say me. Just write M-E on there. And I want to pray right now for everyone that writes me that, God, you would heal if it's a foot, if it's an eye, if it's circulation and an eyeball. I feel like there's someone that has problems with, like, the circulation in your eyes. God's going to heal your eyes in Jesus' name. I pray for people, Lord, that have issues with their digestive system, people that maybe have some sort of autoimmune disease. I declare in Jesus Christ's name that you would affirm that this is your teaching, this is your word today by, Lord, healing people all over the world that are watching this video. I ask, the Lord, finally, that if there's people watching today, you know, before I do that, I feel like there's people that you have darkness in your life. Like, like, not, like, not a little. Like, I'm talking about you've been maybe a part of some sort of dark, dark arts community. Maybe you were a, a Satanist. Maybe you're part of Wicca or you're warlock or, I feel like, someone's watching right now and you got involved in that dark world. In some reason, you couldn't turn this off because God was knocking on the door of your heart. And I believe that even right now in this moment, God says, Behold, I stand at the door of your life and I knock. And if you will open up, I will come in, I will, I'll liberate you. I'll actually cut ties to that darkness, those lies, all the stuff that's trying to hold you back. And in Jesus' name, I pray that Holy, Holy Spirit, you would begin to fill people up that have been full of darkness. You begin to right now fill them full of your light. I pray as they surrender to you in this moment that you would evict that darkness. And that, God, they become a trophy of your grace. Walking, listen, in the greatest power that's available on the earth. Why would you be involved in the dark world when you know that you lose? I know where Satan's going to be for eternity. I know where those people are going to be for eternity. I know the future. I know who wins. God is on a second-class power. The Holy Spirit is the most powerful spirit on the earth. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you'd liberate those that are watching. Finally, I want to pray. If you're watching right now, if you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe you're watching for the first time and you're like, man, I've never knew that God could love me, could, could touch my mouth and my heart, my eyes, my, my hands. I never knew that God could, could bring warmth and life into my body. If you're watching right now, you say, Mark, if I'm being real, I feel like I've been spiritually cold. And I want God today to thaw me out. Can I pray for you right now? I want to ask, if that's you, you say, Mark, I've never known Jesus I want, you, I want to give God today permission to come into my heart. I just want you to write heart. I know it's a bold move because there's people that might see your name. But listen, you're in good company today. No one's going to make fun of you or mock you for getting right with God in a platform like this. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. I know a lot of people that have regrets in life. But I've never met one of them that involved giving their lives to Jesus. If you've never put your faith in God but you want to, you don't do it because of how good you are. You actually do it because of how good God is. You don't clean yourself up and come to him. You come to God, he begins to clean you up. Listen, he'll take you just as you are. If that's you and you're watching, you say, Mark, I'm not living for God and with him, but I want to. Would you pray that God would fall me out? I want to pray for you right now tonight, today, excuse me, and I want to pray, just do me a favor, write heart or do the heart emoji right now. I want to give God my heart for the very first time. Thank you for doing that right now. I, I want you to pray if you're watching. Just pray that people would respond. Holy Spirit, everyone that's supposed to respond, let them respond right now. And finally, as I close, if you're watching today and you want to recommit your faith, rededicate your life. Kind of like a, like a married couple that's been together for a long time. Maybe lost a little bit of their spark. And they said, you know what we're going to do this year for our 20th anniversary, our 30th anniversary? We're going to renew our vows and we're going to invite some of our closest friends, and we're going to let them watch us as we tell the world how madly in love we're going to live together in the future. If that's you today, you say, Mark, my, my passion for God has is, is faint. It's, it's, it's gone away. It's dwindled. And today, I want to recommit, re-pledge my faith in Jesus. If that's you today, I want to pray a quick prayer for you. Do me a favor and just do me do all, this, uh, all over uh, that are watching, all the platforms right now. If you want to rededicate your life to God today, Just write this down. Just say two. The number two, just put two or write, you know, uh, T-W-O-2. Because I believe that God is a God of second chances. And he'll give you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a hundred If That's you. You kind of got off track and today you want to rededicate your life. Just write two down. And I want to pray a prayer of rededication. So as we close together the broadcast this morning, do me a favor. Let's pray this prayer wherever you're at today. Just if you want to give your life for the first time or rededicate. Just pray this prayer with me. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, then it'll start a brand new chapter, a brand new journey in your life. And we have some exciting next steps for you. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I invite you today to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Would you forgive me? And would you heal me everywhere that I'm hurting? I've lived life without you. Now I'm ready to live life with you. Lead me from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe if you prayed that prayer, you became a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'd encourage you to get a Bible. If you don't have one, you can actually go in the Bible app on your phone or your computer. It's free. Bible app. Download that. Start reading the book of uh maybe book of Mark or Matthew or Book of Acts in the New Testament. Start reading your Bible. The second thing, if you don't have a church, we'd love to have you get connected to a church. If you live somewhere in our area or you just want to be a part of our church online, we have growth track classes you can click on right now, growth track, and get involved in our community. We're going to have some leadership courses coming up soon online, and we would love to get you in connected and planted in a healthy local church. If you don't live around here and you want to find a great church in your area, go ahead and click on that information link. We'd love to help find you a great church, but we're so grateful that you tuned in today. God bless you. We believe that the best days of our life are still ahead of us. We love you guys. It's going to be a great week. God's going to thaw this out. You mark my words. It's coming soon. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.